Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pages of HR. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast provides insightful conversations about HR-related books with the writers who create them. By the end of these conversations, we hope that you'll have actionable insights for your business, best practices to tap, and new information to ponder. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Ramona Shaw, a certified professional leadership coach, podcast host, and author of The Confident and Competent New Manager, How to Rapidly Rise to Success in Your First Leadership Role. This book is timelier than ever as it discusses what it takes to succeed as a first-time manager. According to studies, 40 to 60% of new managers fail or underperform within their first two years on the job. Ramona is on a mission to change that and to give new managers a fair chance of, of success by helping them with the four critical mindset shifts they need to make to become a leader people love to work with. Ramona, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Let's just get right into things. Ramona, please tell me, what inspired you to write this timely book? Really, the topic of a better understanding what it takes to lead or to transition into leadership for the first time came out of my personal experience of having been promoted, kind of thinking back then, uh, yeah, you know, not, not that big of a deal. I can do this. I, you know, believe in myself. I like challenges. Let's go figure this out. And what I soon learned is that leading is very different than just what I would call like performing or delivering or uh, being able to, to execute on tasks that or responsibilities that were given to me. And through this process, which I felt like, gosh, it was way harder than it needed to be. And then me figuring out what those mindset shifts are that I talk about in the book I started to dive deeper into the topic, um, really made that my my mission, my career, uh, my purpose in, in the professional way to help new managers set themselves up well and not have to go through the challenges and struggles. And what we see, what you just mentioned, the data really shows that this is a difficult transition to make. And I see this all the time with people who come to me and say, I'm really struggling or I fear of getting demoted or I realize I really have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and that is not the way it should be. So I hope and I want to shout from the rooftop uh, that all new managers should be well equipped and supported as they start this new chapter in their career. I love that. I love that. And beautifully said. And before we get into those four critical mindset shifts, first, let me ask you, why do um, 60% of new managers underperform in their first two years? Uh, and what do first-time leaders need to do to beat those odds? The biggest issue is really not understanding the fact that this is such a different role. So oftentimes we think, you know, myself included, I thought, well, this is just the next step in my career. This just means I got to do more and I have to expand my influence and my impact in other people beyond my own role and help them. So a little bluntly said, like help them be more like me. And which is of course so backwards. And that's the reason why I struggled. And a lot of people struggle is because it's not about making them more like you or making them execute in a way and think in a way that you do. It's about really leveraging the the team, their individual strength, creating that sense of inclusion, coaching them, mentoring them. And it's such a different mindset and skill set that is needed. And if you think about how much we spend on developing our technical 
um, or our hard skills, it's years in the making. And then we shift over into a leadership role and all of a sudden that technical skill is actually, or the hard skill is actually a lot less relevant in the people skills, the soft skills, uh, simply said, would are growing in terms of their importance and their influence in, in correlation to your job success. And most of new managers don't spend any time or very little time developing those soft skills. And that's where we run into the challenge of then seeing a lot of them struggle, feeling demoted, not meeting expectations, not you know being able to tap into that next uh, the next opportunities. We see a lot of turnover because of bad managers uh, on the team or low performance, disengagement, and the like. Absolutely. And so many great points that you just touched on there. Um, and of course, it sounds like some of those, um, excuse me, excitement, uh, but some of those things are common misconceptions as well, especially soft skills. They're super important in the workplace. And we're now seeing, I don't know if you're seeing this on your end, uh, but I know uh, with the work that we do here at HRDA, we're seeing just this huge surge of soft skills and talking about the importance and the valuability of them in the workplace today. Yeah, 100%. Because uh, so much is now really about collaborating and moving into a hybrid work environment or remote remote work environment. It's even more important now to be able to foster these connections and engage and motivate people on a different level. Because we are really, um, and I like this term sort of in that management revel, it's a management revolution because we're no longer managing based on time. Uh, and this is not brand new, but this is, has been accelerated through the pandemic that we're now managing and have to met or have to manage people based on tasks, not time. I love that. I love um, a management revolution. I have to do some digging into that. <laughs> Can you give other examples of common misconceptions about leadership that new managers need to know about how to succeed in their roles? That ties right into what those four mindset shifts are that new managers have to consider and pay attention to. So the first one is, it's a lot less about doing it. And I think one of the reasons why we see new managers be overwhelmed, but also at the same time, team members withdraw more and more or disengage is because the manager goes into that situation where they still think they're the doers. And it may mean, hey, I have high standards, which is why I got promoted. So I'm trying to get everyone, you know, get their work up to my standards. But if they don't, you know what, forget about it. I'll just do it. And that little sentence, ah, forget about it, I'll just do it, that's the kryptonite. Um, so we really have to pay attention here because it sends, it comes from a good intention maybe to say, I'll help you out, I'm supporting you here, but it sends this underlying message, you're not quite cutting it here, I'm not trusting you to bring this across the finish line, and instead of me coaching you to get there and supporting you in doing that, it just seems so much easier for me to do it. And yes, you know, I've been in high performing, fast paced work environments. I know that sometimes we're under pressure and it's I'm not living in la la land here saying, you know, all the things it's about coaching and investing and growing and helping others learn. I get that sometimes there is the urgency and you have to take it on and finish it up, but that should be the exception, not the norm. And too often that's the norm. And it comes from that individual contributor, this icy mindset of let's just get it done. But now as a leader, you have a different responsibility. It's about helping other people with the doing part. You're being really more on the coach on the sidelines. I love that. And I love how in the book here, it's uh, 
number one impact from doing to influencing. So you're not just doing, but you're also influencing. It goes into that coaching that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And that connects into the shift number two, which is uh, a lot less about advising people on what to do and a lot more about this coaching and supporting other people and coming up with their own solutions or just challenge their thinking. And sometimes people challenge me on this. And I, I have people that I work with who's like, but that makes no sense. If I have the answer or if I know the best way to go about it, then what's the point in me asking them questions to think it through? It, it makes no sense. I don't have time for it. I don't get it. It's like, yeah, but I've yet to see someone who has that belief, holds that belief and doesn't it, sooner or later run into a time management issue. Because the moment that you start creating this dependency where everyone comes to advice for advice to you and you're the one problem solving, very much in that icy mindset of I'm the go-to person, I can problem solve, I have the answers, which is great. But as a leader, that it creates a dependency where everyone else is like, you know what, let's just ask the boss. Because you know what, if I ask the boss, and I totally get this, then I'll definitely do what's right and what will be appreciated, what we consider successful. So why would I venture out on my own uh, to come up with an idea or to problem solve that then may not be what my boss actually wants? Because my boss is available. So let me go ask. Instead, we really want to shift into that mindset of hold back with your advice. It's not to say never give advice, but again, it should not be the default. It's a lot more about asking questions that help other people see more than they currently see, think through options, identify their preferences, uh, pay attention to potential challenges or risks down the road, think through who they need to involve, the resources at, that they have available, and that helps them grow. And at the same time, they'll start taking a lot more ownership of the work because now it's theirs. We've came up with it versus my boss just taught me to do so. And that, of course, goes directly into the third mindset shift, performance from getting the best out of yourself to getting the best out of others. Yes, exactly. And gosh, you know, that was one where I struggled with. <laughs> I struggled with it for a long time because I felt a big part of my identity was that I was a high performer or I, and I was someone who was able to deliver results. And it can feel really, and I personally am motivated by results. And so I noticed this challenge of realizing this is no longer about me. And if I want it to be about me, I should probably not be in a leadership role. Right. So because now if I make it about me, I'm totally missing the point and I'm not getting the most out of team, which at the end of the if we all sum it up, the net net result will be way less than if I take a step back and think about not what do I need right now? What's going to make me feel good? But what does the team need and how can I support them in delivering results? I love that. That's amazing. And a great mindset shift to have. And just an all-around great thing anyway, just shifting the lens. And I think if COVID-19 has taught us anything, and of course, just the way of the world and everything else that's been going on, unfortunately, as well uh, during these past three, four years, it's that a, a shift of the mind is definitely needed. And we need to change our lens and have a different perspective to move forward. Yeah, and exactly. And I love how you talked about the lens here, because I think this, and this is why I specifically focus in the book on those mindset shifts. It's less about... Actually, not true. It's as much about developing the skills as it really is about taking on a different lens. Because the moment I start work in the morning, I sit down, I open my laptop and I start working and I think 
how do I support others in delivering results? I'm going to take very different actions and show up very differently than if I open that laptop and I think, so how am I, how am I going to look good here? How am I going to, I, how am I going to, uh, you know, get everything off my to-do list and, um, and deliver great results here. It's, it's a different approach to work. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And the final uh, critical mindset shift here, uh, the fourth one, direction and expectations from following to setting. Yes. <laughs> so this is one that I hear often from the manager's manager who say, I wished, or the biggest challenge I have with the new managers on my team is that they don't, uh, they don't take enough ownership. Like they're still leaning on me to tell them, how to problem solve, what to do in particular situations. They're asking for directions and for strategy. And in this, again, all the things that we're talking about here and what we're asking you to shift or asking leaders to shift, those are all success strategies as an IC, as an individual contributor. You want to know um, your manager's objectives. You want to look and check in for direction uh, and strategy. You do want to deliver results, right? All these things go back to, they made you probably the best candidate to be promoted or, or at least perceived to be the best candidate to be promoted into a leadership role. But now don't do more of that, really shift around and and uh, look at this from a different perspective here. And in that, in that same, on that last uh, shift here that we're talking about, new managers need to be aware that now they're in the leadership role and now it's on them to uh, have an agenda, to define a strategy, to set the direction, always in alignment with their stakeholders, right? And that includes their manager. Uh, so not to go solo, that's not what I'm saying, but take on, take, you know, put a, put a stake in the ground, really understand what am I standing for, what I do not stand for, what are we pursuing, if they have a different opinion, or if the team has a different opinion, to advocate for that. And up until the moment that a higher up, on, on that, you know, hierarchically speaking, a higher up says, the decision has been made, we're going to pursue option A. Uh, up until that point, if you believe option B would be the better way to go, it's on you to advocate and to raise, you know, raise, have a voice, uh, speak up and present that uh, to, to your stakeholders. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one in your role or the only one who has that perspective that you have, the unique connection to the team members on the ground, and you have to present that upwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I know we, we've delved straight into things here and that's completely okay, but did you prepare an excerpt to read? So I'm going to read something on page 52 of the book. And this is about reframing what a productive day looks like for you. I frequently hear clients say that they worry about team members wondering what they're doing all day or feeling like you're not rolling up your sleeves enough. If you notice these thoughts cross your mind, just let them pass by. Don't give them airtime. Instead, recall your new definition of productivity and assure yourself that you're doing it right and that a side effect of changing behaviors for the better is the self-doubt and fear that it may not work out. And that's just how our brains are wired. So roll with it and scale your leadership by adapting your new way of thinking about what a productive day looks like. Of course, there will be moments when you have to execute and get into the weeds of things, but those moments should be the exception, not the norm. A couple of years ago, an in-demand executive coach in the Bay Area who has worked with hundreds of Silicon Valley founders and executives over two decades 
shared with me that the most important and impactful habit he asks his clients to adopt is to block out a full hour each day to think. Yes, you read that right. He is asking his high caliber, extremely busy clients to just think for an hour each day. He said to me that the clients who do this religiously have a significantly higher success rate and are overall more admired leaders to their teams. Be sure to tune into our next episode where Ramona and I continue our conversation.